Of Good Erev Erev Pesach. Today's daf is Mim Aleph. We will be starting momentarily the new parak after, I think, what is the biggest parak in Shas that we were just finished. But we end up at the bottom, we resume at the bottom of Mim Amudbet, um, the very last of the narrow lines. We're talking about doing mitzvot and the weight of mitzvot and so on. Um, so the previous Mishnah had spoken about anybody who does one mitzvah, you know, is all, has all this good stuff. If you don't do one mitzvah, all the, then it's all bad. And it actually occurred to me by by the way, I just wanted to mention this one thing, although it's from yesterday, that the Gemara, you know, sort of interpreted it like, well, if you're exactly 50-50, then one mitzvah tips the scale, which to us seems a very narrow reading of the Mishnah, because the Mishnah seems to be just giving you an enormous amount of weight for any one mitzvah that you do. But it occurred to me that the end, the way the Gemara framed it, about how you're supposed to look at yourself, right? If you're always looking at yourself as if you're 50-50, then it's not like the Mishnah is talking only about the case of somebody who's 50-50. It's basically saying for every individual, every time you're about to do a mitzvah, if you look at yourself like you're exactly half merit and half demerit, then any mitzvah you do has enormous consequence. And any not mitzvah that you're not doing, right, has enormous consequence. So in a way, it's a very profound way of reading the Mishnah if you assume that what it means is you look at yourself like it's always exactly in the balance. And then it speaks about the enormous weight that any one mitzvah will do, any one mitzvah, or not doing one mitzvah will do. So that's in terms of the previous Mishnah. The next Mishnah spoke about anybody who is b'mikra b'mishnah b'derech eretz does not sin quickly. So there it's sort of moving beyond mitzvah and speaks about other things seemingly other than mitzvah. Mikra mishnah derech eretz. So I mentioned mikra and mishnah might be a way of understanding mikra, you know, is, you know, Tanakh, which speaks about God, a way of relating to God, a religious type of an orientation. Mishnah could be halacha. What's derech eretz? So one way of understanding derech eretz means like it has a parnasa. You work in the real world. You understand what it means to actually labor and produce and not just be in like a little bubble of your own, you know, problem about people that could just learning, Rambam talks about this a lot, if you're just learning and not getting a parnasa and being supported by the tzibur, then what does that do in, sense of, in terms of that sense about, you know, entitlement and the sense about not understanding the value of work and of labor, etc. But the other way of reading Derech Eretz, which the Rambam says actually here in Perish Mishnah is, is that Derech Eretz means you know, proper conduct between people, good character traits, good ways of interacting with people. So it's about just, you know, it's about your intellectual, mikra mishnah, or your religious, your mitzvos. We, last week, first we talked about mitzvos, now we're talking about Torah, and now we're talking about if you want the third component of that, which would be character. Um, anyway, those are the things, and that speaks about that, you know, these things are, as opposed to previous mishnah, which is about if you do mitzvot, how much you're rewarded, here it speaks about sort of what helps you keep on the straight and narrow. What helps you sort of keep to a good life? Um, you know, not good in the sense of reward, but good in the sense of like, you know, doing the right things in life. So learning together with Sterech Eretz, Lobim Heirahu Chotei, you will be protected, you know, you will not quickly sin. Recognizes that it's not a total protection, but, it, you know, it's people do sin, but nevertheless, it helps keep you on the straight and narrow. Okay? And if you don't have this, then Enomina Yeshua, like you're not even part of, you know, normal, like, like you know, a civilized society. So now with that idea that we've been mentioning mitzvos and mikra mission der eretz, the next stage of the Gemara makes a lot of sense. So if you pick up at the first narrow, at the last of the uh, narrow lines on Memon with that, we have the following. Um, so Rabbi Tarvan and the elders were reclining in the uh, 
in the attic of this person Nitzah and Lod, right? It's almost like we're about to read the Haggadah, right? About how the rabbis were like, you know, anyway, in Bnei Brak. Anyway, here they were in Lod. And the following question was raised to them. Which is more important? Learning or doing? Right? We spoke about the previous mission was about mitzvot. This mitzvah is about learning plus derech Which one is more weighty? Which one is more is greater um, than the other? So, doing is more important. Learning is more important. So then they all came to a consensus and they said, Talmud Gadol, Shetalmud Navi Lidei Maseh. Learning is greater because learning brings to doing. So what I so who, so who won that debate? Right, that's the good thing about a compromise is that you get a consensus because you make everybody happy. Oh, well, we told you Talmud was Gadol, but we told you that the reason Talmud was Gadol was because it was Navi Lidei Maseh because it brings to doing. So ultimately, right? It's, it's, so it's, it's, so it's not so clear. It sounds actually that at some axiomatic level, doing is better, right? Maseh is Gadol, but. It's, Talmud is very weighty because it brings it about. It's so it's like, exactly. It's a Hashemid and it's so important. So what way is Talmud Gadol if ultimately it's to bring about Maaseh? So Tosos, important Tosos, he sort of explores this through raising a question from another Gemara. Let's take a look at the Tosos. Talmud Gadol, Talmud maybe Lide Maaseh. Tema says Tosos. He washed his hands after coming out of the bathroom and put on Tefillin. Father Amarlan, and then he taught the following thing to us. And if somebody dies and they were and you want to praise them at their hespade, what you can say about somebody is, oh, this person fulfilled like a life of Torah, of mitzvot. I mean, lineate lormina, but we don't say that he te- taught Torah like that. You know, for a normal you know person. Um, but why would we not say that? Isn't Talmud greater? Now, what's the question? Yes, Talmud is greater. That's why we don't say it because not everybody re- reaches that level of Talmud. So, what was the question of the Gemara? We're willing to say he did mitzvahs, we're not willing to say he like learned his Torah. So the Rashi says, Pierce Bekuntris, and Rashi explains the question of the Gemara was, No, that the question of the Gemara was that since we say the only reason Talmud is Gadol is his Mevili De Masa, that, 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 that indicates, that betrays the fact that really Masa is Gadol. Right? It's all about Masa. So if you're willing to say that somebody is a Balmasim, right, is a person of mitzvot, why, you know, then that should, you should be willing to say that they learned Torah because you're actually willing to give the higher praise to the person. So Rashi in that Gemara actually says, our Gemara betrays the fact that bottom line, Mas is really Gadol. Okay? The Inkeink, even the Markeink, Koshkein Limeikein, Ochoshim Chokach, Avon Bukhachazim Mehacha, the Mas is Gadol. So those who ask the question, from that Gemara it's clear that even if you say Talmud, maybe they say Mas, what that shows is that Mas is more important, not Talmud's more important. Which is it? The Yeshlomar, the Hasam Hachi Pirish, the Hadar Amarlan Kiem Amrinan Limei Lo Amrinan, the Hadar Amar Gadol Talmud Maybe the Yimasa. In the Heich Kiem Im Lo Limei. But even okay, does he has some answer, which is not which is confusing for us, which I'm going to skip. Okay, and let's just skip to the line Umeshani. You see what it is? It's like about a third before the Tosfos is over, beginning of a line. Halimigmar Halagmurei Klomer Limigmar Lididei Vademasa. If it's between your own learning or doing, then doing is more important than your own learning. 
learning. to teach others That's at a higher level. So for Tosvos, our Gemara shows that when it comes to your own personal religious achievement, your, do, your actions are more important than your learning. Okay? But the Gemara there that indicates that the learning was at a higher level, right? That's teaching others. The best is to teach others. So there's a hierarchy is is the lowest is your own just learning for yourself the next level is doing mitzvot the highest achievement the highest form of like religious achievement is teaching other people better okay. than yourself doing better than yourself doing I mean not that you're supposed to not do but if you have to choose between should I go now and do a mitzvah should I go now and teach a shir you should teach a shir but if you have to choose between should I go and do a mitzvah should I go and, open, and learn Gemara for myself you go and you do the mitzvah and that's one way of thinking about it well that's true right so that's true what I want to say about let me just read the last line of Tosos so what the, he reframes the question of the Gemara maybe the question of the Gemara is somebody says how should I like what's the right here Dov you'll appreciate this what's the right you know pedagogy what's the right course of, of ed, religious education should I first focus on doing more mitzvot or should I first focus on learning? Okay, so it's not a question of which sort of re- is religiously, axiomatically at a higher level. What's, what's the best way to grow in my, you know, religiously? So then we say, um, You know what? First thing you have to do is you should really learn. You know, spend some time learning Mishnah Brura, spend some time learning what you're supposed to do, you know, and then, so that still maintains obviously the hierarchy the hierarchy is ultimately it's about doing learning is a way of bringing about doing so then what do we mean that, that Talmud is Gadol we mean it's Gadol in the sense that you know it brings it about so it might be an important thing to prioritize practically to prioritize that because it'll bring it about okay but ultimately doing is the best so there's a lot of ways basically all the answers of Tosos have that in principle doing is the best the only thing higher than doing is teaching, okay? And Talmud Gadol only means that that's a way practically of bringing it about. You know, Talmud brings to Masa. Masa doesn't bring to Talmud. Okay, so that's like a practical preference, but it's not an axiomatic preference. Now, this issue, of course, as you can imagine, is not something that just rested here, because certainly for people that invested their entire lives in sitting and learning, right, and teaching, well, I guess if you learn and teach, you can sort of work with Tosos. But if you basically, like, spend your entire life sitting in yeshiva and kolo all day and sitting and learning, it has you, you know, it's, you, you, you obviously, and you re- not just, I'm not just saying it's a self-justification, you know, there's a deep theology, you know, like we said before, Talmud Torah connects Kulam, the most important thing is learning, how do you deal with this Talmud maybe Lide Masa type of an answer? By the way, what I should say is, Talmud Torah Kulam, in the context of yesterday, did not mean that the most important mitzvah to do is Talmud Torah. It meant, what was the context of that list that we said, of Talmud, you know, the Talmud Torah connects Kulam? It's saying that your Ochel Peretem Balam what it might be saying is, the things that you will reap their benefits in this world, amongst the things that you'll reap their benefits in this world, the thing that you will most reap the benefits for is your learning of Torah. And again, given yesterday's context, it doesn't mean because it's the most important, it doesn't have to mean it's because it's the most important mitzvah and God will reward you the most. It must mean, it might mean exactly like this, because Talmud may be day maaseh, because that learning will translate into doing it. It'll affect your character, it'll affect your relationship to other people, right? So it might very well mean in terms of what is, you know, ocha peres So anyway, how do you deal with this 
if you think that really it's all about Maaseh. I mean, how do you... So there were definitely Rishonim and, and you know, and, and Jewish thinkers that did think it was fundamentally about Maaseh. Rabbeinu Yonah says, wait a minute, if it's all about Maaseh, why do we learn, like, Maseches Kodshim? Like, I mean, you know, Seder Kodshim. Like, why do we learn all these Masechtot? Like, Michael, you always want to know, what's the halacha? So that's basically what he had. Why are we learning all this stuff that doesn't translate into Maaseh? And his answer basically was, well, but it translates into Yerush Shemayim, and it translates into character traits. But ultimately, the answer was not, because Talmud Torah is just important even without Masa. Right? Or think about the line in Pirkei Avot. Lo HaMidrashua Ikarela HaMasa. So there definitely is a way of thinking that ultimately, really, it is about translating into a religious life. It doesn't just mean learning Hilchus Tfilin, like learning Hilchus Chametz, you know, like as Rabbi Yonah says. It could be about molding character, influencing how you look at the world, how you interact with other people. But ultimately, it's about translating into a religious life. It's not, lear- it's not what we call Torah Lishma, learning for its own sake. That definitely is what's emphasized in this Gemara. Others felt otherwise, and I'll just tell you how you would position a different statement and then we'll move on, which is... First of all, let me just talk about that line in Pirkei Avot. The same Rabbeinu Yonah, who actually elsewhere, as I said, talks about how really learning is about translating into doing. But you know, he says that line means means you do not influence and teach people primarily by what you say. You influence them by what you do. Right? So you know the whole thing. Don't do as I you know. Don't do as I do. Do as I say. That doesn't work. You know the way you teach and influence people is much more by what you do than by what you say. So that's just in terms of that line. It's very powerful, right? And that's just in terms of that line in Pirkei Avot. But no, but the way you would explain this Gemara, I think, would be what David said. Because David said, one minute. Right? This is the problem I had when I first learned this Gemara. I mean, learning is also a mitzvah. So, you know, so what do you mean? It's like, it's between learning and doing. Learning is a form. Okay, so the answer is, yes, it's a form of doing, but it's, a, it's intellectual. It doesn't, it's not in the real world. It doesn't affect other people. But nevertheless, that's a way of understanding this Gemara. A way of understanding this Gemara is that that's the resolution. The resolution is which is better. And the answer is Talmud is better. Not because the whole purpose of learning is to bring to doing. No, no, no. This is a mitzvah and this is a mitzvah. So which mitzvah is better? The mitzvah of shaking the lulav or the mitzvah of learning Gemara? They're both mitzvahs. And the answer is, oh, the mitzvah of learning Gemara is better because the mitzvah of learning Gemara is a twofer. You get two for one. You get a mitzvah and you get that it brings about other mitzvot. Right? So a way of learning this is not the whole point of learning is to bring about doing. It's that actually learning is intrinsically important. Doing is intrinsically important. And learning has one up on doing. Why does it have one up on doing? Because it also brings about other doing. Shaking a lulav doesn't mostly translate into doing other mitzvot. But learning is a mitzvah that does translate into to other mitzvot. Okay, so there's two very different ways of learning this Gemara. Is it that the whole point of learning ultimately is to shape character, translate into the world, and so on. Fundamentally, it's on a lower level. Or is the point that learning is actually starts at an equal level with everything else and actually is better than everything else because it also has the power to translate into other forms of doing. Okay, so that's, as you can imagine, a very important Gemara in terms of thinking about the relationship between Talmud Torah and Mitzvot. Now the Gemara continues. 
Okay. Tanya, Rabbi Yossi Omer. Golo Talmud Shekadam L'chala Arba'im Shana. Talmud is great that it, pre- that it preceded the mitzvah of Chala for 40 years. Okay, because the Torah was given and they didn't start doing Chala until they entered into Eretz Yisrael. Now one way, by the way, of seeing this through Tosis' lens is not just, oh, so because it came first it's more important, but why did God have to command the mitzvah of Chala if it wasn't going to be done for the next 40 years? So what it shows you is that ultimately, you know, either A, you could say you could learn in the of doing, but also what I think of is ultimately the learning precedes the doing, right? The learning ultimately comes as a way of preparing yourself for the doing. So Talmud came, the Torah, the, the Torah came 40 years before Chala began to be practiced. Um, um, 54 years between Tumas and Maishas, because Tumas and Maishas didn't begin until the 14 years after they had entered the land and conquered and settled it. Um, for Shemitah, 61 years. It began after 14 years after entering the land, that's 54, and then you start counting, seven years later is Shemitah, 61. And for Yovel, 103 years, because you started counting after 54, right, 40 of getting into the land, 14 after settling, then you started, and then Yovel began, and if, you know, on, on, on year 103. So the Gemara says, You know, the end of the 50th year is only on 104. No, because Yes, but the, the freeing of the slaves and the returning of the land, that all starts at the beginning of Yovel, so the effect of the Yovel happens at the beginning of the Yovel, which means after 49 years, as opposed to after 50 years, because after 49, the 50th year began. Okay, and the same way learning preceded the doing, the judgment of, if you, if you slacken in your learning, you'll be judged first for that, and then for not slackening in your doing of mitzvot. The first thing you're judged for is about your learning of Torah. So Mayim is Torah here, and the way Rashi says, if you exempt yourself from water, if you sort of, you know, you do not, uh, you, 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 not you, you shirk your obligations relating to Torah, that'll be the first thing you're judged for. Um, I'm not sure. Uh, what does it mean? I don't know. Okay, I, 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 whatever. It's, it's a hard translation. I want to move on. And the same way you will be judged of, you know, negatively, you will be rewarded first for Talmud before for your doings. God will, give, and He gave them the lands of the nations, um, and they, you know, inherited the, uh, the, the labor of the, of the, of the nations. Because they observed His commandment, the Torah and they protected His Torah. Now, how does that show that it's for the, it's for the doing? You could say Yishmeruchukav means that they observed, they did the mitzvot, but it seems that the idea of protecting, observing, you know, guarding, the way you guard a life of Torah and mitzvot is through the learning. Alright? But still, it does seem within all of this that it's still operating within the matrix of learning, bringing about, doing. You know, protecting the mitzvot is through the learning, um, but it still seems that, you know, much this very much like tight connection as opposed to like a, a type of a theology of pure Torah lishma. Okay, now the Gemara can take this. still, but the master would you be judged for first. Well, so that's the thing. Do you say that because you're judged first that shows that it is more important, like the simple read of the Gemara? Do you say you're judged for it first because ultimately it's the gateway and it translates into everything else, right? So if you, so, you know, so that, that's the question. It seems here, the constant sense of first before this seems not like they're completely unrelated things and this is more important. It seems like they're 
very tightly related things and this is the one that comes first because it brings the other thing about that's I think the sense of this Gemara um, you, you understand the difference that I'm saying right it's not saying like you know well I, I would have to think about a contract are you going to be judged first for fill-in or for you know or for, or for lulav right it, it's not that sense that they're completely unrelated right it seems like I mean the very pasuk about Torah of Yishmu Chukav seems like it's not just oh well A is more important than B it's that they are related and one is one leads to the other and the one that leads to the other is the one that you're judged for first and rewarded for first right now again that doesn't mean its only purpose is that it could be that it has equal value separate from that and additional value because it le- it brings about the other right. as well. Okay, then you can, so those are things more important. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. So that's the big question of this Kamara. So it says, I'm Rabbi Yochanan, Upasul Eidos, somebody who is not connected to a life of, you know, uh, learning, and I would sort of say religious connection, observance, you know, doesn't learn in terms of halacha, doesn't learn anything religious, and Derech Eretz, which could mean a pernasar, could mean doesn't have any decent character traits. So that person is so much at the outskirts of society that you can't trust their testimony. You Ta- mean that? Yes. We possibly, I mean, whatever. Okay. If you eat in the marketplace, you're like a dog. Because that's dogs do. They eat in public. That somebody who doesn't appreciate certain sense of norms of society and norms of behavior and polite society, whatever, you're somebody that you just generally can't trust them to, you know, th- their morals, which is an interesting question. Yeah, now, by the way, the Marsha says he can't believe that it really means just because you eat in public, and the Marsha says it means sort of like if you, like, I don't know, like, grab stuff off of the fruit stand and eat it. Of course, then he says you're just a goblin, so anyway. All right. The Eishomim Pasal Eidus. I'm already eating by Avin Halacha Kieshomim. Rule that way. Darsh Bar Kapara. Ragzin, because we're talking about the way the Marsha understands Derek Eretz, which could be meant as character traits, so, and this also a little bit fits in the discussion before about Ocho Poroseim Ba'olam Hazeh, you know, uh, you know, and remember we talked before about an Avera that's Osepri and a Mitzvah that's Osepri. So that's what he says. Ragzan, somebody who always gets angry, no Alsubiado Ella Ragzanusa. All you gained from your anger was your anger. Meaning it's not, you know, you feel, oh, you get so angry and worked up or whatever. It doesn't produce anything of value. Right? It's not Osepri or the Pri it makes is an ulcer. Right? The Pri it makes is like, you know, you get yourself high blood pressure. That's all your anger is going to produce. Okay? Adam Tov but a good person again you get the fruit of their labor so before we talked about the mitzvot here we're talking more about your character your character produces positive fruit or negative fruit okay if somebody is doesn't, doesn't involved in any sense of learning and you know again either good character or if you say you know involved in a parnasa so they have no worthwhile pursuits then you should be muder from him. You should make a neder that you can't get enough from him, he can't get enough from you, so that'll keep you very far away from him. And how do you, why? Right? Because wherever he will be, it will be a community of mockers. If somebody doesn't have a job and doesn't spend his time learning Torah, what do you spend your time doing? You're wasting it on trivial pursuits, right? You're wasting it on, you know, so this type of a person is a bad influence and, you know, and only wastes his time doing, un, you know, unworthy things. So, 
better just really, really keep your distance from such a person. Okay? So, very fascinating parak, starting with Kiddushin, going on to Kinyonim, going on to Mitzvos, ending with an issue about general character traits, right? And really, I think the beautiful thing about the end is about how we can reap our rewards in this world, and as you sort of see that in terms of very practically what our mitzvot and character produces, um, as a, and, you know, verse, and, um, and, uh, um, you know, and it's not just limited to a sense of like how God will reward us in the world to come. Phew! So that was some big parak. Now we move on to the next parak. Let's see what we got. Hadronalach, exactly. Let's move on to the next parak, which gets us back to Kiddushin. Okay? And you might be surprised to find out, ties us directly in, not only to Pesach, but to Arab Pesach. Okay? Wow. We'll get to it tomorrow. We'll get to it. We'll start it today and we'll continue it tomorrow. Ha'ish Mekadesh Bo A man, Mekadesh, notice now we've completely dropped the language of Kinyan, as the Gemara points out, that was listening to Kra. Now we're in the rabbinic concept, concept of it, which is Kiddushin. A man marries a woman directly or through his agent. A woman can be betrothed directly by receiving the money herself or through an agent. And the same way a man has the right, a father has the right to marry off his daughter, it's interesting, it's like starts as a minor, but even through the age of Na'ara, okay, he can marry her off, he can do it directly, and he can do it through an agent. All right, so, which is a bigger chiddish, because you might think he's not the principal there, he's representing his daughter, maybe he can't make an agent to do that for him. What? Um, why is this such a huge, why, why is it hugely important to have introduced a category that's only six months in duration? Is it because of the onset of physical maturity? In other words, the Well, I mean, it's in the Torah. I think that the point is, is that, you know, shot of the Psukim is that you, you don't have this six months duration. Shot of the Psukim is who knows how long Naris lasts. Right. Naris could last as long, you know, while she, once she reaches some sense of maturity until she gets married off. Like, I don't know. You know, Chazal understood that it was a briefer period of time. Um, but, um, and then the reason it gets developed in Halacha is because it's all the, everywhere in the Torah. The Torah is everywhere talks about being a rabbi saviha, right? So the, obviously halacha is going to explore that status. Um, I mean, you could talk about it more philosophically, but the pshat reason is it's just because it's everywhere in the Torah. If you want to say, why is it everywhere in the Torah? Probably because in the, the pshat of the psukim probably don't have it just a, a six-month type of a limit. Or you could say, maybe if they do, maybe it was the critical, you know, period where she was of marriageable age and she was getting married off and like that was when everything was happening. That was the transition period. The key also is that that's the sort of, you know, gray period and the transition period as well. It's so, it's so um, extant. Right. It's fascinating. Yeah. It's so formalistically yeah. narrow to a I understand. Yeah. yeah. So. Okay. All right. Let's take a look at the Gemara. Hashta bishlucha mekadesh. If you can marry through an agent, bomi baya. Of course you can marry yourself. Through your, you know, you can do it yourself. Of course, the simple answer is that's just a literary way of saying it, right? You know, not only bow, even bishlucha or whatever. You know, but anyway, the Gemara wants to ask, why did you have to say bow? Once you said, once you're going to say shulcha, so Amar of Yosef mitzvah Yosef to tell you it's preferable to do it yourself. Okay, and this becomes a general concept, not just a kiddushin concept. You know, even though some mitzvot you can do, some mitzvot you have to do yourself, like taking the lulav. Other mitzvot, you know, you could do in theory through somebody else. Like bedikas chametz is a good example. Uh, I can hire somebody to check it, check it. Nevertheless, we say it's better to do it yourself. Kiha de rasafra machrichresha. Rasafra would like. A char the head of a fish or whatever, maybe of a of a sheep. Anyway, for for Shabbos, he he would do a little Shabbos preparations. Rava Malchiv 
Ruta. Rava would salt the uh, salter fish. You know, even these great rabbis would go ahead and do a little stuff. I mean, you know, their wives would be spending the whole day cooking, but they would at least spend some of the time doing something, right, to participate in the midst of Kavak Shabbos directly. Now, well, that's because of the framing of Mishloach. Anyway, and that might have to do with all, anyway, whatever. Now, what is the reason to do it personally? So, look at Rashi, right? I mean, I, you're getting the mitzvah done. So, Rashi says, So, you could say that Rashi is just talking sort of like the previous Gemara. Well, you know, you get more brownie points because you exert more effort, so you deserve to be rewarded more because you exerted more effort. Okay. But, I would, but I would emphasize, like we were talking about what it means, that he doesn't just mean God will reward you because you did a little bit more effort. He's saying, you know, that when you personally do something, it impacts you in a different way, right? If you exert the effort of Kavod Shabbos, it's not like, like, oh, I spent effort to do it, I deserve to be rewarded. You connect to Shabbos in a different way. It's more real to you, right? It's in your kishkas more, right? That's what it means, to, to personally engage with your very body in the mitzvah. Okay, so therefore, that we're going to say the same thing here. So that's why you better to do it yourself. Igadami, but some say, when it comes to the man, for him to not do it personally, not just would not be ideal, but to not do it personally would actually be a degree of an isser. What would be the isser to not do it personally? You cannot betroth the woman until you've right. seen her. Right. You can see her and then not do the act personally. Correct. This is reflecting an assumption that betrothal would often happen, right, not after a period of dating or whatever. It was like, I would say to you, hey, you know what? Go find me a woman in that other town. It's time for me to get married. Okay? So that would be, obviously, shlucho could just be the act is done through an agent and you yourself know the woman you're married. All right. Yes. Okay. Okay, anyway, but the Gemara sort of says if, we, if you read Shlucho could include cases where you don't even know the woman, then it's much better for you to do it personally. Now, not saying that you have to go through a period of dating, okay, but it's better to do it personally, God forbid, okay, Bittu <laughs> Torah, but, but as long as you're doing it personally, at least you get a moment to look at her and to decide are you attracted to her or whatever even if it's just for those two minutes before you decide to go through with it okay. one minute lest after you're already married to her you'll find something that is displeasing it's more of a visceral word than displeasing um, repulsive and she, then she'll be repulsive to you love your neighbor as yourself and therefore it it would be really bad not to have, you know, that, that that's the way you would feel about your wife. Now, I have to tell you, you know, for a long time I read this, and it really sort of left, left me feeling a little flat. Like, the only reason that, you know, you have to feel uh, attraction or whatever, feel positive towards your wife, is I have to the same way I have to feel nice towards you, I have to feel nice towards my wife or whatever. You know, so where's the greater sense, obviously, of like a deep emotional connection? But the to a different lens, it, you know, you have to acknowledge that the Gemara is dealing with a time when a lot of people got married having nothing to do with an emotional connection. The very fact that we're talking about a scenario where you send an agent or the first time you're seeing your wife is under the chuppah when you come to give her the ring, right? So if that's the reality that you were dealing with people that the first time they would see the woman would be, you know, when they would give her the ring and we're telling you, oh, don't do it to an agent. Have a moment to see her. We're not talking about a society in which marriage is about a deep emotional connection, right? And nevertheless, what it realizes is that once you're married, even in a time when you could divorce, you know, unilaterally or whatever, 
her, I mean, there would still be the Ksuvah payment. Once people are married, they don't quickly get divorced, even if things aren't perfect, right? And very often, you know, people stay in marriage when things are very, are, are very imperfect, are very difficult. So then, you know, so then there is something very profound in that type of place where people are getting married for more practical, less romantic, less emotional reasons to still say, like, it is a really bad phenomenon if you're stuck with somebody and you, and you, you know, and there's such of this, like, uh, you know, this, like, repulsion between you, like, you know, and uh, minimally, even if she's not, like, the love of your life, she's still a fellow person, right? And, you know, and what does it mean to actually be able to have, you know, so that sense of, this is, the, Hava here is not the romantic love of marriage. It's genericized to Haftaleha Kamocha. But again, I still think there's something very profound, that even in a reality in which that's what marriage is, that it's not romantic and it's not deeply emotional or whatever, it's like, you really have to, like, you know, connect and get along and, you know, feel positively towards the other person. Yes. the opposite way. Yes. Ready idea means beloved, not just fellow person. Uh, maybe. So maybe they're choosing to read it in that more narrow way. But again, it's not talking about emotional love. It's talking about you shouldn't find your wife repulsive. Okay? Right? So, um, you know, so it's not like it's imagining like the couple couldn't remain married for 40 years. There are couples that are married for 40 years and hate each other's guts, you know? I'm serious. Yes, right? So it's not like, oh my God, less you get divorced, less of this. It's just deeply problematic, you know, even if, you get, even if you'll stay married and have kids or whatever, externally everything is right. Like there's that point. But anyway, so I think there is, given, given a society in which we, there is not prizing romantic love, it's an important statement. Anyway, so now the Gemara continues. V'chi itmar Rev Yosef, and when was Rev Yosef said? A safe itmar. That's the idea that it's not just, that it's just a mitzvah to do it personally, but it's not that it would be an isser to do it through a shaliach. So that was on the end of the Mishnah. A woman is married personally or through her agent. If she can do it through an agent, certainly she could do it herself. No, it's better to do it personally than to do it through a shaliach. Like we said before, better to do the mitzvahs personally. But for her to choose to do it through an agent, if she would do it through an agent, she would not actually be doing anything wrong. It wouldn't be ideal, but she wouldn't be doing anything wrong. Why? Why aren't we afraid of a haftalarecha kamocha on her end? She doesn't see the guy she's about to marry. The famous statement of Reish better to... To, to sit in tandem than to sit like you know uh, than to live as a as a as a widow or to you know to live to live alone so that basically the presumption that women are willing to settle much more than men okay um, and therefore um, and therefore when uh, even if she finds her husband uh, a little ugly and a little repulsive she's not going to be you know there's not going to be as much of you know there's not going to be as much of a sense of like repulsion and you know and and uh, you know and, and antagonism and so on, you know, than in the reverse. So, again, this is reflecting a certain societal reality. Some people will might claim that, you know, that there's truth to that even till today. Um, but, um, you know, but whatever it is, this is why the Gemara sort of says that for from his, and the interesting thing is how this translates into not just sort of sociological statements, but into sometimes halachic issues around aguna, you know, and a lack of a certain motivation to be proactive around aguna issues because of a presumption that women are more okay with less than perfect situations.
situations and they can tolerate it more and so on you know so there are problematics associated with this anyway but nevertheless this is the point that for a man if he's not happy with his wife you know he looks at her later and he, he doesn't find her attractive that's going to lead, lead to a much worse marital dynamics than in the reverse so for her it's just a mitzvah for him it would be an isra to do otherwise so very a lot of interesting insight into the nature of marriage it's not exactly romantic a read of men and women and so on that comes through this Gemara now I want to say two other important things about this number one is what is this whole idea of mitzvah there's a mitzvah we haven't been focusing on a mitzvah to get married we've been focusing on the legal institution of Kiddushin right? the, the previous sujahs it's a continuation of the... That's not my question. My question is, why are we presuming marriage is a mitzvah, right? <coughs> if we talked about buying a ship, buying a boat, right? Talk, look at the Kenyan lens. Okay, well, better to buy a boat yourself through yourself than through an agent because mitzvah yipo yosibi b'shulcho. Who was ever talking about a mitzvah, right? I'm buying a boat, I'm buying a wife, I'm getting married, it's an institution. Who made it into a mitzvah? So this, well, okay, so this raises an important question in the Rishonim, which is, is getting married a mitzvah or not? Okay, and the Rishon, a lot of Rishonim say it isn't. Um, the the some Rishonim say it's a mitzvah as a hechsha mitzvah of pruravu. Okay, so as a, so and that actually fits very nicely in the parallel with Kavod Shabbos. Right, Kavod Shabbos is not exactly a mitzvah in the Torah, but it is a way of get of making a nice Shabbos. It's a type of a hechsha mitzvah. We learn it from Divrei Nevi'im, right? But from the Torah perspective, it's a way of uh, it's a preparing for the mitzvah. Of the Torah of Shabbos, right? Which is the analogy the Gemara has. You could say this is about. Yeah, but that's like Nisparasha Yudehan Avim. It's not really seen as a Doraisa. It's really seen as Midivreso Frim, okay? So, anyway, so that's a very nice way of this, as a, as a lead to Puravu, and that's the type of mitzvah that we're talking about. So it's not a mitzvah uh, per se. It's not a mitzvah per se. Some say it's not a mitzvah at all. Most just say it's a mitzvah, say it's a Hesha mitzvah for Puravu. There's a very complicated read of the Rambam. Rambam says it's a mitzvah. It's not exactly clear. What he means, he's been interpreted to mean hechshavitz or puravu. He's been, uh, the, by the way, the counter argument against hechshavitz or puravu is that the rush says that who says you're yotze puravu even if you have a child out of marriage. You're yotze puravu even if it's a mamzer. So uh, it's not a hechshavitz for puravu. Although when Rambam discusses the mitzvah puravu, Rambam says there's a mitzvah. To, mitzvah number one is to get married, and mitzvah number two is to have children with your wife. So he actually frames the mitzvah puravu as a man having children with his wife. Now, would the Rambam say you're not Yotze if you had children out of marriage? Not clear. But certainly, primarily for him, it's a mitzvah of having children within marriage. Okay? Similar. Now, so anyway, so for Rambam, what is the mitzvah of getting married? Is it a mitzvah to, to, to enable Puravu? Or some say it's really not as much of a mitzvah, it's more of an Isser. For the Rambam, it's an Isser to have sex outside of marriage. So the, the, the mitzvah to get married is if you're going to have sex, it better be with it. You have to get married. It has to be within marriage. Okay, that doesn't work so much here with a mitzvah yibo yosemibushucho if it's only a way of avoiding the ister of having sex outside of marriage. By the way, Rambam has really good Republican values. Sex is only in marriage. Kids are only in marriage. I'm serious, you know? Because those questions are real questions in the Rishonim. Bahalachically, is all of that true? But that's the way the Rambam frames it. The third possibility in the Rambam is that the, the mitzvah of marriage is 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 more that 
if you're going to be married, because of the Chiddush of the Torah, the Ramam emphasizes that there's a Chiddush in the Torah, that marriage is a two-step process. You don't just jump right and start living together a married life. First you have Kiddushin, then you have Nisuin. Right? The Ramam makes a big deal about this. Before the Torah came along, you would go straight to living together. Whereas the Torah comes on, no, 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 before you start living together, you have Kiddushin first. Now, why is that important, that it be a two-step process? The Ramam doesn't spell out. I've said to my students that I think what the Ramam is saying is, is that if you went straight to the, the reality of marriage, the living together, without having the Kiddushin prior, it would basically emphasize that marriage is defined by the... By, no, not by just producing kids, but it's defined by the reality of the relationship. And, you know, sometimes marriages hit tough spots. And the people... And the, they're, they're not, you know, in terms of right now, the, you know, the marriage might not... Be, you know, might really be like, you know, not doing so well in terms of the real world, you know, what's currently true about the marriage. But if you come with a sense of a prior commitment and a contract that precedes the marriage, right, is that precedes the living together, it doesn't mean that you can't get divorced if you need to, but it just means that, you know, you, can, you, you work through it, you try to work through it. There's a sense of commitment to the relationship that somewhat existed prior to the lived reality of the relationship. So when the lived reality of the relationship is challenged, you still have that commitment that you're, and you still try to work, you know, and see if it can transcend that and survive that. Anyway, the Rama makes a big deal of the two stages. So the other way of understanding the Ramam's position that there's a mitzvah to get married is what he means is when you want to get married, like you, the mitzvah is to do it in the order of the Torah. To understand that first there's a Kiddushin and then there's an Isuin and to go through those stages to do the sort of institution that the Torah set up. Okay? But no, it's hard to imagine that any of those last two because those two more talk about like structurally, you know, and that, that you get the idea of a mitzvah bo yosemi b'shlucho. The language of mitzvah bo yosemi b'shlucho, you know, works much better in the context of a type of a hechsher mitzvah of purvu. Okay? And then again, the, the parallel to Kabbalah Shabbos works nicely. The other interesting question about that is that why is it said by the women as well, since purvu is a mitzvah the way the Gemara Paschal is on the man and not on the woman. Okay? So it might just be using mitzvah bo yosemi b'shlucho in a much looser and non-technical term. But this Gemara leads to a whole, or doesn't lead to, is part of a larger debate of whether marriage is considered a mitzvah or not. Dove, you have a question that you want to ask. I understand that it's an opportunity for all raising all those questions, but it also, if doesn't factor into the discussion, right. uh, it points to the limitation over, uh, of overly legalistic terminology. Right? In other words, they take it as an opportunity to ask these very important right. structural questions. Right, right, right. But ultimately, it's so that a human being's life... I mean, I think that that's beautiful. I really appreciate that. I mean, the Gemara in Yevamos, when it speaks about this, it says if a person, you know, has kids, you know, has already done the mitzvah puravu, should he still be married? Right, and, it's, and so one opinion is like, you know, yeah, you should still be married because you should still try to have more kids. Or yeah, you should still be married because you shouldn't have Yehurei Avera. But one answer is, yes, you should still be married or like if your man's wife died or whatever and he's had kids because because what do you mean? Because that basic fundamental value of living a life with another person. So you're right, meaning those issues are explored, absolutely, but you're right, they, that's not part of this formal te- terminology of the mitzvah. Okay, one last thing just to point out, because this is so rich, but then uh, uh, is the Tosvos, if you look at the Tosvos where it says, um, Oh, we didn't get to that yet. Next tomorrow. Okay, A man marries, can marry his daughter off when she's a Nara, either himself or through an agent. Kishinara in, 
Ki Kitana Lo. What? Does that only when she's a Nara? Now, logically, you would say, meaning even when she's a Nara. Obviously, when she's a minor, he has total control over her. But even when she's a Nara and has some independence, he can still marry her off. But the Gemara is saying, no, the language of the Mishnah sounds like only when she's a Nara. Now, of course, legally, he can do it when she's a Katana. But what the Mishnah is doing is it's telling you he shouldn't be doing it when she's a Katana. Why not? This supports Rav. It's forbidden for a man to marry off his daughter when she's a minor. Why? Until she grows up and she says, no, I want to marry this guy. Okay? So therefore, right, so she goes up to the age of 12. Anyway, so, therefore, it's forbidden to do it because she might not like the guy that she marries. Now, of course, that's the obvious question. Why here do you use the Russian Usser? A minute ago you said that a woman can marry a guy, never see him, and that wouldn't be an Isser because she'll settle. Okay? So this is, no, there's a big difference. When the woman is an adult, maybe 12, but an adult, and says, I am prepared to make an agent and marry whoever my agent agrees to, so you've, you've, you've agreed to it. You've made your peace with marrying whoever the agent will marry for you. And then we'll say, even if he's not, even if he's not great, you, you'll, you'll be prepared to settle. Okay? More than a man would be even if he thinks he's ready to settle. Okay? But in this case, she's a minor. She never agreed to, mar- to, 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 to have somebody do it for her. She never said that she'd be prepared for anybody that, she would, that, that, you know, that, that her agent would find out. So in this case, if you don't have her already agreeing to that, to being a prepared to settle and be okay with it, then it's usher. Then we're also afraid that the woman's end. The woman also, you know. So that's interesting. It's not like a stamp case. We say a woman will settle for anyone. If a woman says she'll settle, then we trust that she will settle. That was the case before. She said she'd settle. She said whoever the agent finds. If she didn't say that, then we have to assume that she also won't be happy with some random guy. And that's usher Lakadish Shirena. Now, one more thing. Tosa says, no, that's Bito. That's Bito Kajikitana. I'm sorry, Bito Kajikitana. Now, if you look at Tosos, by the way, it's an interesting question whether we learn it out from Rivka, because by Rivka it says, Nishlachala Narav and Nishala at Piha, right? Yes. So let's ask her. So Rashi there says, I think that it's usher to, for, for a woman to, be, to, to, to do Nisuin until she's ready to do Nisuin, whatever. Anyway, so, but that certainly seems like, a, here we're talking about Kiddushin, but that certainly seems like a parallel. By the way, and, now look at Tosos, also Adam Shikadish's the end of it says, There's like a little bed in parentheses at the beginning of a line. But we do it now. We marry off our daughters even when they're minors. Every day, like, you know, the, the, the gullus, the exile, but it means like obviously, you know, the crusades and right, the oppression, right? And and if right now you can give your daughter a dowry, Mm-hmm. So you marry off your daughter when you're able to marry her off and ensure her future, ensure that a man will take care of her and protect her, and you know that obviously has to have priority. All right. Wait, so yes. But when I'm trying to square that away with Amai Ria, which the idea is to do yud. Yeah. Right? But if you're not supposed to make kaddish when she's katana, then well, the, I mean, it's not just. I mean, there's a good point about Amai Ria, but it's not just Amai Ria. It's like here you have a phenomenon that exists completely, you know, throughout the Torah about marrying off, right? Natatia whatever, you know, all these things about marrying off a daughter. And Chazal say, oh, all that stuff you see in the Torah, it's really usher to do lechatchila, yeah. right? So that's a, like, and that's really a very worth, important point to point out, right? That Chazal are able to take a, 
say, you know, gets to the question, like, you know, the attitude towards slavery, attitude towards korbanot, attitude, do we assume that everything that's in the Torah is a mitzvah, means that the Torah thinks it's a lichat or is the Torah to some degree accommodating realities of society? The fact that Chazal could take a phenomenon that exists, you know, you know, through so much of the Torah, and the Torah never has a whiff of the idea that there's anything problematic with it, and they say, oh, it's us to do that. Okay? Okay, so, so they, they, they would equally frown upon the I totally think so, yeah. Uh, I mean, look, you could maybe argue that when it's a case of, like, you know, clearly different, like, you know, uh, uh, levels of society and just clearly in poverty, whatever, sort of like Tosos, you know, maybe extenuating circumstances, but anyway. All right, so now the Lord says, now, so it's amazing how in this little thing here, after 40 Daf of Kiddushin, we have such this density of discussion about the nature of Kiddushin, about, like, more about the institution, right, about how much is it a mitzvah and that led to a whole conversation about whether Pru only takes place in the context fundamentally in the context of marriage the, we, I brought in well okay that was me bringing it it wasn't the Gemara but anyway the step of two stages Kiddushin and Isun and the importance of that you know but also the idea that it was fundamentally is not about love you know an emotional commitment and nevertheless Chazal want to make sure that the couple gets along and different attitudes about men and women that they're bringing to it so like all of that like in this tiny little thing and now we switch gears again we go, don't get too happy that we're talking about Kiddushin, just because it's called Mesech's Kiddushin. We switch gears again, and we're now going to talk about the institution of Shlichus, of agency, which is the basic, you know, what, well, the basic Kiddush of this is that you can make an agent. So let's take a look. Okay? So it says like this. Shlichus minolan. Where do you know that you can create an agent to do something for you? Titani, we turn in the Brysa. Vishalach. So the Pazik is Vishilchami Beito. Okay, he should send this woman from his house when he divorces a woman. So we're reading it Vishalach. Not just to send the woman from the house, but you can make an agent, okay? Now that, that's right, as Archie says, with a mapic hay, right? And he should send her, okay? Um, but we're reading it without the mapic which means she can make an agent. Yeah, how would you say? No, I, I, we, we can debate the grammar. Anyway, you, you take out the mapike and it becomes a feminine verb. That she can make a shaliach. And then we somehow read it both ways and you, a shaliach can make a shaliach. Okay, although you might remember a whole discussion in Gitin whether mili mincer and lishliach and maybe do you have to have a get, do you have to have something physical. Anyway, we're not going to get into it right now. Ashan begerishin. So we learned out from the word v'shilchah from Gerishin that there could be a shaliach. B'kidushin minalan. How do you know a woman when it comes time from our Mishnah to get married to make a shaliach? So v'chitem ad yalif migerishin. Oh, well, let's just bring it out. You know, if it works in one case, it works in another. No, malgerishin shekin yeshen balkarcha. A gerishin can be against her will and that really is an important point. If it's against her will, that means two things. Number one, it means the, ta- the man has all power and control. If you have all power and control, the fact that you're able to appoint an agent, since it's fundamentally a one-sided transaction, hey, if you're in charge, you know, as well, who was it Mel Brooks said, it's good to be king, right? If you're in charge, you know, so, you know, so, okay, it's more obvious. If it's a two-sided transaction and it depends on the other person or whatever and it's not so much clear whether it's going to end correctly or not, you know, whether it will succeed or not succeed, it's less clear that you can just deputize some of that, you know, power. 
Also, from her end, if she's just passive, there's less of a role for her to play. So it's easier to understand how she can get, how she can make a shaliach. Okay? But Kiddushin, which is two-sided, right? And you have to get both sides to have a meeting of minds and to agree, and there's a judgment call. Should I marry this woman? Should I marry this guy? Right? It's less clear that you can transfer that authority. Uh, and you're not, it's not all your authority. Okay? So therefore, um, so, Amar Kroh, the verse says, You shall go out and be get married to another man. Connects getting married to getting divorced. The same way in divorce you can make a shaliach. By getting married also you can make a shaliach. So now we know Kishalichus by Gershon and Kiddushin. But now how about another mission, another area, Truma. Somebody says to his shaliach, go take truma for me from my uh, grain. He takes truma based on the way he assesses how generous or, or, or unge- stingy the owner is. Okay? And if he doesn't know the owner's level of generosity, he takes the average. The average is to give 2%. What the Gemara says is a generous person gives 1 out of 40, 2.5%. An ungenerous person gives one out of 60, 1.6%, and a normal person gives 2%. So, you should figure out where your, where the person who's, who's giving you this agency, where he, ha- where he is on the generosity scale, and if you don't know, go for the average. The average is 2%. Okay? So, the Gemara says... I'm sorry, the mission continues and says, Pihe Sasara, Ohosi Fasara, if you go up, you know, um, one tenth, or down one tenth, an order of ten, meaning one fortieth or, or one sixtieth, okay, if you go anywhere within the range, Truma's a Truma, it's still good, because basically, since he didn't specify more, then we can say that he's giving you that latitude to decide or trusts you to determine how much is appropriate and what he wants. But so you think he's okay. more, so none of it is good, or just the, four, the 50, uh, 50, 50, 50? I don't know. Presumably not. Anyway, we can't go off track. Okay, Manala. Now, how do you know that Tzlichus works by Truma? The Chitema, the Yalifni Gerashin, maybe we learn it from Gerashin, right? Once you have it in one place, we'll apply it elsewhere. No, Mala Gerashin, Shekhen Yeshen Chol. Gerashin is a secular matter. Maybe Truma, which relates to something that goes to the Kohanim, to God, etc., maybe it has different parameters. So, Amakra, Atem Gamatem. It says, King Tarimu Gamatem, right? So, also you shall take Truma. Actually, that's by Truma's Master. Also, you meaning the Levine takes Truma to give to the Kranim, not just Yisrael takes Truma. Anyway, it doesn't matter. The point is, you, even you, who's Gamatem? Who's even you? Even your representative counts as you. Okay, so that's where we learn Shlichus by Truma. Okay, so now the Gemara says, Just write it by Truma. If Shlichus works even by the weightier area of something that's sort of more Kadosh, it should certainly work by secular matters. No, you can ask. Truma, you can just by thought, you can just think that portion of the, of, the, of the grain is Truma. Or you can just do it by words, right? So something that's like that, so to create an agent to do it, I mean, it's not so much that the agent has to represent my person. It's really just my thought. In a way, you could almost think of agency as a type of a Brera. You, Michael, are going to take Truma for me, and that's the Truma I would have wanted to take. There's no need for me to do anything personally, right? So since thought works, agency is a lot easier to explain. Kodesh is more 
sensitive or vulnerable, right? It's, it's affected even by your thinking. Uh, that's a w- okay, right. I mean, it's also because it's hafla, but yes, it's a way of thinking about it. But the point here about the shlichus is, is that if you need the person to do it, if you need an act, no, let me say it this way, if you need an act, you might need the act done by the person, him or herself. If it's just a thought, well, the person already had the thought when they made a shaliach. And the shaliach just sort of clarifies that thought. So, so therefore, you need to say both by something that's truma, which is by thought, uh, and by, that's kodesh, but you also need it by kiddushin and gerishin to tell you that even by something that's not thought-based, shlichus works as well. Okay, now the question says like this. To hide it not, but one minute. We have a third category of shlichos. Okay? Chabura she'avad pischa. Oh, it's Arab Pesach. And this group that got together to bring the Korban Pesach, their little lamb ran away. Mary's little lamb ran away. So they said to one of their group, go find the lamb and shecht it for us. Okay? He went, he found the lamb, and he shechted it. He brought it to the base of Mikdash, he shechted it. And then they figured, hey, he's never going to find it. So they went and they brought another lamb and they shechted it. If he shechted his first, so who Okay? Then if he brought it first, then he, they told him to do it and then it works for all of them. And then they get rid of their other lamb and they go ahead and their Korban Pesach is the one he brought. Okay, it's a funny scenario, it's an interesting one, but what's relevant for us is they can make... What? Well, no. It would act, it, 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 not, no not once they sanctified it. No. Anyway, we're not going to worry about that, Michael. The point is, is that it's a case where they made him a Shaliach to shech the Korban Pesach for them. Now, it's funny why you have to quote the Mishnah because isn't that every single case? You don't have ten people holding on to the knife, okay? And to some degree, that's what the Gemara is going to say. But there is a little bit of a difference. The difference here is, is that they, uh, well, no, forget it. Anyway, let, let, let's just start with, stop with that. So, here you have the scenario of somebody representing them to bring the Korban Pesach, okay? So you see there's an idea of Shlichus, to shech the Korban Pesach. We know one. Where do you know that from? We'll learn out from Truma, Kiddushin, Geirshin. No, Malhanach can yeshen chole to Kodshim. All of those are at a lower level, even Truma than Kodshim. Sacrifices at the highest level. Maybe Shlichus doesn't work. So the Mar says, Navkul Amin Rabbi Yeshua ben Karcha. We learn it from Rabbi Yeshua ben Karcha. Tamar Rabbi Yeshua ben Karcha. How do you know that you can make a shaliach? All the Jewish people should shecht it. Does everybody shecht? Only one person, presumably of each group, of each house, of each base av, would shecht. Okay? Now, the question is, why did you have to prove it from that pasuk of Kokala Dat Yisrael. Why don't you just say, it says, Mishku Kuchulachem Seh, Lebeis Avot Seh Labayit. Obviously only one person is going to shech for each household. So here's the Chiddush. The Chiddush is, that if it was just that pasuk, I wouldn't say it's Shlichus. I would say that's what the Torah says. The Torah says, you get a group together, they become part of, they, they, they're all the group for the Korban Pesach, and one person sort of shech. That's the fundamental structure. Right? The fundamental structure is that each group has one person shechting. It's not like each person has a personal obligation to shecht. Each group has one person shechting. That's not shlichus. That's just the way it works. Okay? But what the, this is saying is no. The Pesach says 
the shachatuotel kol kahaladat Yisrael bein arbayim. This is saying everybody has to shecht. It's not just a group obligation. It's an individual obligation. But if it's an individual obligation, that's not what's happening. Oh, so it must be that when one person is doing it, he's taking, he is doing your individual obligation for you. Okay, so just to say one person shecht doesn't prove it's shlichus. But to say that everybody is supposed to do it, each individual, and still, one per, only one person of each group does it, that shows you an idea of shlichus. Okay, so let's just read, I know it's already over, but let's just read a little bit more to finish this thought. Okay, and it says like this. So just write by Kachim. And let's run it up. No, Kachim, most things are through Shem. Kohanim do it. Now again, the same question could be asked. Because who said that the Kohen, I have to do it and the Kohen is doing it for me? Maybe fundamentally the Kohen does it. But even if you just focus on Shechita, here's the point. If you look at the Pesukim and read the Pesukim quote, who shafts the korban? No. The Pesukim say, you bring your korban, the shachatoto, and then it introduces B'nei Aron HaKohanim. That's how we learn that Shechitos Kshere Bizarre. So actually, even however you think about the Kohanim bringing korbanot, who says, I'm supposed to bring, they're supposed to bring, it's not they're my shaliach. Okay, that's a gross question. Are, sh- are the Kohanim God's shlichim or our shlichim? Okay, nevertheless, the Torah describes that you're supposed to shech. And the reality is, is that the Kohanim are the ones that shech. Okay, so in Kachim, anyway, we can assume, and I might be overreading the Gemara. Could be the Gemara is just saying, no, even in general, presumably when they're working in the base on Mikdash doing everything, they're doing it on your behalf. Okay, so Kachim might be an exception that we allow representatives, whether the Kohanim to represent, or whether the B'nai, one of the people of the Chabur to represent, we allow representatives for Kohanim, for, 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 for Kachim. So the Gemara says, Chadami Chadalo Asa. Fine, we can't learn one from the other. Tesi Chadami Tarti. Why do we need all three? You can learn one from the other two. Okay. How would we do that? Hi, Tacy. Which one? Which one should we learn out? Don't mehanach and learn out from Truma and Gerushin. No, That you can't say because Kachim is at the highest level. Okay, it's the highest holiness. So Don't write it by Gerushin mehanach. Learn out from Truma and Kachim. No, Again, we have the Machshava point. You can make something sanctify something as a korban also just through thought and speech. You don't need an action. So maybe, so, you know, because on the one hand, it's, it's Kodesh. You can't, you know, it might have a higher standard. On the other hand, it's Machshava. It might have a lower standard for Shlichos. Don't write by Truma. And I could learn out from the other two. Because if I say, I can't learn out from from Gerushin because it's Chol I'll say ah but Kachim it, it applies oh I can't learn out by Kachim because that's I can learn out from Truma okay so the Gemara says Hachanami you're right so in the end and we'll end with this and tomorrow we'll see why I needed the Pasuk by Truma but in the end we have like this okay you have Kachim now Kachim has the elements of um, well it's Kodesh okay and it's got Machshava Okay, and you've got, and it's Masehem Ayyadeh Shaliyah. Masehem Ayyadeh Shaliyah. Okay, that's Kachim. You've got Truma. I need a different color here. Okay, which has Kodesh and Machshava, but doesn't have Masehem Ayyadeh Shaliyah, right? And then you've got, uh, and then you've got over here, 
you've got Gershin, which is just basically Chol. Okay? Right. So, the Gemara says, which you can't learn out from just these two because, oh, and you know, and it's like, like less than Kudshim. I'm sorry. So the one thing here that they overlap with is that both of them have a Kedusha that is less than Kudshim. Less than Kudshim. Okay? So the Gemara basically says, here's set theory, right? You can't learn out from, you can't learn out from Kudshim and Truma because they both share this quality, right? Kodesh and Machshava. You can't learn out from Truva, from Truma, uh, from Truma and, and uh, Gerushin, because they both have a Kedusha that's less than Kudshim. But what you can learn out from is Gerushin and Kudshim, because there's no overlap between Gerushin and Kudshim. So since there's no overlap, so if it applies to those two things that have no shared characteristics, then it must apply to everything. Okay? And therefore, Truma is extra, and we're going to find out tomorrow why we needed the Pusuk by Truma. All right.